If you have been paying close attention to the news, childcare has become a big issue. COVID-19 revealed how crucial, accessible, and affordable childcare is for all sectors of society and the economy. Where I work, I notice how it has impacted some of our coworkers. Even our elected officials in Congress are tackling this issue by proposing legislation like H.R. 1911, also known as the Child Care is Infrastructure Act. This bill could establish grants for child care facilities and higher education loan repayment and scholarship programs for child care educators, among other provisions. Recently, President Biden proposed free universal preschool in his Build Back Better bill. Tech entrepreneurs have tried to tackle this issue, like Priya Mean, our guest in Episode 2 of Diverse Disruptors Season 2. Unfortunately, her solution for on-demand child care couldn't get the funding she needed to scale. Our next guest, Chris Bennett, has created a unique approach to this $59 billion child care problem. 51% of Americans live in areas called child care deserts where there's not enough childcare. That's Bennett speaking from the TED stage. He hosted his own TED Talk in Monterey, California about his childcare startup solution, Wonder School, in August of 2021. And what this shortage does is it leaves parents having to choose between their careers and childcare. Even in places where there's free childcare or public pre-K options. So what if we could live in a world where we did have enough childcare? where parents had a multitude of options to choose from in their communities. Maybe the answer is right under our noses, our homes. From 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, this is Diverse Disruptors, a podcast about leaders, entrepreneurs, and trailblazers who found their own way to innovate and did so with inclusion and accessibility at the forefront. In 2016, Bennett founded Wonder School, a platform where people like educators and child care providers can start infant and toddler programs and preschools out of their homes. Some have called this idea the Uber or Airbnb version of child care. In 2018, with the help of renowned venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, Wonder School raised $20 million to scale and build out its platform. I want to know what inspired the Wonder School founder, who was a child of Honduran immigrants and himself never worked in childcare, to build a business in this challenging industry. But I begin with his childhood, one of the most diverse zip codes in the nation. So I grew up in Miami, Florida, and in uh, I've looked it up. It's a, my zip code's the 50th most diverse zip code in America. Um, hmm. So it's a really interesting uh, childhood. Um, and within my family, you know, I'm one of 31 first cousins. So it's like a really, really big family. Like my family feels more like a high school sometimes. Like, <laughs> a, like I know some people I know, like, you know, I know of people, but I don't know everyone. And I and I go to my my parents and my my aunts and uncles as sort of like a, my connection to the my, the rest of my family. And yeah, in, in, in growing up, I was always pretty strong academic student. Um, you know, uh, was the first in my family to go to college. I graduated from Wharton, uh, the, the business school in, in Philadelphia. And, um, and I moved to, I moved to Silicon Valley about 11 years ago. Okay. And I moved, I moved here because I've always been interested in entrepreneurship. I, you know, I moved out here to, to start a company. So you've always been interested in entrepreneurship. So, you know, you hear a lot of stories about, you know, all these, you know, entrepreneurs who are, you know, unicorns, but as a kid, they had their own little business, lemonade stand or whatever. Did you have um, any kind of thing when you were growing up as a kid, your own little side hustle? 
Yeah, I sold lollipops in middle school. In in high school, I sold concert tickets, bought and sold concert tickets. I always collected baseball cards. When I got to college, I started a company selling everyone's textbooks. Um, mm-hmm. like I know the whole textbook market pretty well. <laughs> um, but people don't know about Silicon Valley. It's so many people who are out here did that when they were, you know, in their hometowns are growing up. Now they just sell software. It's, it's really <laughs> let's uh, talk about your, um, your person of color went to Wharton school. I'm assuming, you know, you're it's not a lot of people of color at Wharton. So talk about experience at Wharton. What was that like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was mind blowing to be honest, you know, um, growing up, I probably knew a couple of folks who graduated from college. It wasn't like a, it wasn't very common. And, you know, if I ever came in touch with like a doctor, it was because that doctor was my doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I get to Penn and everyone's parents are doctors. Everyone's (laughs) parents are lawyers. And it was really mind blowing. I was like, I didn't even, I just, there was, I just didn't know it. I didn't even know of this, this type of life. And yeah, I just met people from all over the world uh, who, who came from so many different backgrounds. Like Ivanka Trump was a senior when I was a freshman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like what? Ivanka Trump's in my classes? It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was weird, uh, but it was, it was really eye opening and it was a great experience. And what did you, I mean, I assume you went to MBA, but did you focus on like entrepreneurship? It was undergrad, actually. It was undergrad. Okay. So yeah, it went for undergrad. Um, and, you know, Wharton's typically known for its MBA program, but there's a, a pretty small undergrad contingent. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you, what was your focus? Was it focused on entrepreneurship? So um, I got a degree, in a Bachelor of Science in Economics, and uh, I was focused on real estate. Uh, I had some friends who were going in that direction uh, in Miami. It's like the, like Miami is like one of the biggest real estate markets. Uh, so I actually lived in the Midwest. I moved to Chicago and I worked at a real estate private equity firm in Chicago for a couple of years. And that's after um, Wharton? Yep, after Wharton. Okay. So you worked in real estate um, for a couple of years at, in Chicago. Talk to me about the, the journey into develop an idea for wonder school what's the story behind that like where did that come from you're in real estate you're in wharton and you're all of a sudden i'm gonna do an education startup (laughs) tell me the background the behind the scenes journey how did you get to the first before you even get to the actual startup the idea where did that come from the idea came from hearing friends talk about how they couldn't find childcare, and it was, it, it was sort of a number of things. It was one, hearing that. Second, I, I go to the TED conference every year and I sat next to a woman who is a, a leader in early childhood education. And she was telling me that a lot of the skills I use today as a CEO, I likely learned um, in preschool. And I thought <laughs> that was a really weird idea. But the ability to make friends, the, imbil- the ability to inspire folks, uh, the <laughs> ability to to communicate, to sell, all these things that we sort of just like take for granted, you learn before the age of five. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I I was hearing that there was a shortage. And then along with that, I started to realize it was really important, um, early childhood education. 
And I was talking to my co-founder at the time, and he said, you know, it's really interesting. He sent me this link to this organization called Tangelo Park Project. This really wealthy gentleman in Orlando went into a low-income community, and he created childcare in um, the community, in-home childcare. And, uh, you know, over like a 20-year, 30-year period, the community changed drastically because of the creation of in-home childcare. Hmm. Uh, and so a gentleman named Harris Rosen, who owns like the Rosen hotel chain, you know, went and created about 10 to 14 childcare programs in folks' homes, paid for it. And yeah, it was a uh, crime rate decreased, more kids graduated from high school, kids, you know, more kids going to college, kids coming back to their community and reinvesting in their community, completely changed the community by putting in preschools. And so we were like, huh, what if, what if we took like Airbnb's concept and Uber concept and help people create more in-home childcare? And that led to the, the creation, the idea of us creating um, Wonder School. So this idea, was this while you were still in real estate? Oh no, real estate ended in two, 20, 2009. I had this idea in 2015. So where were you when this idea happened? So I was running a company named Soulzy. Um, and I was running it here in the in the valley, and we sold that company, and then moved to working on Wonder School. So what was Soulsy, right? What was that? Was that kind of led to the Wonder School idea? Or was it completely different? You know, it's a little. It's it's very different on the outside. On the outside, it's there's a lot of things I learned from that company that I applied here. So Soulsy is a way for. Um, an individual to start a business on the on social media. So you can go to uh, Facebook or Instagram and um, sell your products. And so uh, you post a photo of something you want to sell, and then folks can comment the word "sold" to buy it. Mm. And uh, oh. it's a pretty popular idea uh, if you're if you're using Facebook or Instagram and you're in any sort of commerce component, you'll see it all the time. And hmm. we actually hold the patent on the idea, which is pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the, the similarity, one of the big similar, a couple similarities, economic empowerment, so helping folks start businesses. The other is a lot of folks who run these businesses on Facebook and on Instagram run them out of their homes. So that's actually pretty common too. And, uh, and then the, 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 the product, there's so many similarities into the product we're building at Wonder School and what we built at Soldi. That's cool. Um, let's talk about Wonder School. Let's talk before we get into the business model, because I know a lot of people are interested in startup founders, especially startup founders that are uh, people of color, black women. Yeah. Um, some of the challenges, you know, great idea, but, you know, great ideas need execution, but more before you can execute it, you need money. So talk to me. Talk to me about the process of, of you going about trying to pitch this idea and raising money, some of the challenges you you, you uh, faced during this process. Well, funny enough, I didn't really face a lot of challenges really? raising this round. It's been pretty straightforward. You know, uh, people really liked the idea. I had already been in the Valley for a while now, and um, I had already raised money. And so... It, and that's probably because of your previous startup. Exactly. So if I were to go back to 2011... It's just hard, man. It was really hard. So talk about the challenges for the, the first startup. There. It's just a lot of rejection. A lot yeah. of rejection. Like, and you don't really know why people are rejecting you. They never tell you? You never ask or? 
you ask, but it's not really the game here. Like you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to upset somebody because you want them to come back to you if they are when they figure it out. And so it's really hard to read between the lines. And I mean, I'm sure fundraising has changed a lot, but I know in 2011 there weren't a lot of folks investing as early as you know the ideas that I had were. And frankly, there weren't a lot of people of color raising raising rounds then. It was rare. It was pretty rare. It's ch it's changed today, and it's changed even more with you know the conversations we're having about race mm -hmm. because of George Floyd and just you know it's it, it's it's getting a lot better. But in 2011, just a lot of rejection, um, a lot of confusion. You also. The Silicon Valley is based on a lot of relationships and, and having networks. And I was new here yes. and I'm from Miami and and I went to school on the, the East Coast. So I just didn't have many connections. And so it was really hard to, to, to get in front of the people that could potentially help us. Those connections are everything, no matter where you're located. After the break, we'll get into how Wonder School works and where it's heading. But first, Chris explains how we began to make those all-important connections with investors to get Wonder School off the ground. Support for Diverse Disruptors Season 2 comes from your membership and from UW-Milwaukee. UWM believes innovative ideas don't only belong to business majors. The UWM Lubar Entrepreneurship Center aims to help students in all majors develop creative ideas, advance careers, and get startups started uwm.edu Support for Diverse Disruptors Season 2 comes from your membership and Generator, a platform for the creative economy that connects startup founders, musicians, and artists. Information can be found at generator.com Support for Diverse Disruptors Season 2 comes from your membership and Verizon, helping 1 million small businesses through its Small Business Digital Ready Program. This online curriculum is designed to give small businesses the tools to succeed in today's digital world. More information at citizenverizon.com. Support for Diverse Disruptor Season 2 comes from your membership and Northwestern Mutual. Northwestern Mutual is making investments and supporting programs that create a diverse and inclusive tech and entrepreneur community locally and nationally. Information on tech advancement, venture investments, and careers at innovation.nm.com. We're back on Diverse Disruptors Season 2 with Chris Bennett, picking back up on his work to get Wonder School funded. We'll get into how the platform works later on, but at this point, it's not even up and running yet. Just like real estate, location matters when it comes to fundraising. It's just as important. Certain cities have a lot more opportunities than other ones, leaving founders with a difficult choice. Launch in a city where there's the most need for your product or choose a city where all the money is, but face much more competition. If you were in Miami trying to do Soulzy or Wonder School, it would have been harder for you? Or do you feel like Silicon Valley, I have to be in Silicon Valley too? Well, it's changed a little bit because of the, uh, because of COVID and, you know, the mm. fact that we're doing this remote and everyone's doing everything remote now. So there's this idea that uh, it's sort of like we're all in the same place sort of right now on the internet. But there is also this belief that Silicon Valley and, and normalcy will come back and we and, and our 
our roots in our cities will matter. So I don't, I, it would have been really hard to raise that round or raise a round in Miami. It would have, I don't even know how I would have done it because there's, there's thousands of investors in Silicon Valley. There's probably a handful in Miami. Um, and, and, and the funny thing is Miami is a, is a relatively large market for fundraising, uh, but Silicon Valley just dwarfs it. Hmm. Um, let's go back to Wonder School. So tell me, for our listeners out there, how how does it actually work? So if they go to a website, tell me the process, the steps. It, of it's fascinating because we, we empower so many women to start businesses that fund their whole lives. Um, so, and then they help their communities significantly by creating these childcare programs. So uh, um, someone can go to wonderschool.com. They can sign up to join our platform. And when they sign up, uh, they get access to a community that um, they're able to support them. They get access to checklists to go through the licensing process of creating their program. And then we help them get, get a website, um, set their prices. We help them find insurance. We connect them with all of the folks that they need to work with to, to, uh, to manage their business. And then we support them in recruiting parents. Uh, so folks can go to wonderschool.com and find their program. And then we also teach them best practices and promoting their business all over the place. Um, and our goal is to empower women to start their own businesses. So these, these, these childhood programs are like in their homes, own homes, right? So we actually have in-home programs. We also have um, outdoor programs as well. So, you know, just imagine camp. Uh, okay. um, but all day uh, for children under five, uh, between the ages of three and five. And now with our micro school announcement, you know, for older children as well. And those are, as you can imagine, wildly popular um, during a time of COVID. And you mentioned licensing. So I'm like, I'm assuming you have to have a certain license for each state. So you help them, whether they're in Wisconsin or Georgia, you helped the, the license process is built into the product. That's right. That's right. So we help them. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. And talk to me about how many are, how many schools, wonder schools are there on the platform right now? And how many, and what, how many, do you know how many states and where they are kind so of? We have over a thousand on the platform and we're in about 11 states. Okay. And how do you, how does your revenue model? So we have different revenue models. Um, we have one model where we take a percentage of enrollment and then we have another model where it's a monthly fee. And providers often choose the option that's most interesting to them. I know there's some probably some concerns on parents and do, do you do uh, the people who sign up to start their own um, child care background checks? Are there background checks and all that kind of part of it? We background check um, every individual who um, joins the platform and then we receive a significant amount of feedback from parents. Um, and if we find that the feedback is poor, we remove the provider from the platform. We also look at any sort of licensing history. So we support folks who are starting programs, but we also support folks who um, have programs. And so they join the Wonder School platform and we're constantly looking at, in every state, there's a body that oversees um, childcare and licensing. And we're looking to see if there's any sort of inf any infractions that they've received. And if they have, then we remove them from the platform. So basically you're like 
You're working with like certified teachers, I'm guessing, who are looking at this opportunity? We're, it's a wide range. We're working with okay. parents who are becoming teachers. We're working with certified teachers. We're working with substitute teachers who are starting these programs. So folks are creating it. They're going through a background check process. And then the parents get to choose if they want to enroll in those programs and if they want to trust that teacher. You know, some of the issues I know of remote learning, people haven't really thought about it, deals with kids with disabilities. Does your platform work with possible wonder schools that were trying to create schools for kids with disabilities, physical or mental? Well, yeah, what's funny is one of that's often one of the reasons why someone starts one. So there's a, a woman um, on our platform, a provider, her name is Tracy. She's down in Texas. And she uh, started her uh, program because the school district couldn't serve her child's needs. And so she started her own program to stay home with her child. But now she's been able to bring on all these other students and she's been able to earn a significant amount because of that. What advice uh, uh, would you give to an aspiring um, founder or someone with an idea, especially someone who's a woman, black or brown, coming into space, what some kind of advice would you give them? You know, recognize that the, the this is a, if you're interested in entering uh, the tech space, starting a company, it's a long game. It, it's not a two year stint. Uh, and it's something you really need to know that you wanna do because if I thought it was a two year stint, um, I would have quit a long time ago, right? It's it's really, really hard. But then once you're able to break through um, and start to understand how to build product, how to build companies, you start to build the relationships that are really supportive. Um, it can be, you know, game changing for yourself, but also for the communities that you support. And so um, I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship. I'm a big believer in, um, in, in technology. And so I think that um, the more folks we have entering the community, the better. And finally, where do you see Wonder School in a year? And then what do you, where do you see Wonder School in five years? So, you know, our goal is to be a public company um, that serves, you know, uh, millions of children. Uh, and so in the next year, I see us being a national company. So we're in 11 states, we're being significantly more states. And then in five years, an international company. Since our interview... Wonder School has launched Wonder School for Centers in Beta. It's an all-in-one software to help child care centers manage billing, human resources, government compliance, and student records. It has also provided its platform free of charge to all Afghan refugees and will offer end-to-end onboarding in both English and Pashto. Well, this wraps up Season 2 of Diverse Disruptors. We hope you enjoyed the series and learn more about our guests and what makes them tick. I personally was happy to learn more about venture capital from two of our guests because it's a space where I can see myself getting involved and helping others that look like me. Finally, Diverse Disruptors is more than your average business and entrepreneurship podcast. It's about sharing stories of challenges, failures, and successes. But more importantly, the podcast illustrates the power of representation via diverse voices. In the end, we wanted to convey that it doesn't matter where you're from, your age, or background, and it's never too late to pursue your dreams. Again, I'm your host, Tariq Moody, and thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you haven't, check out Season 1 of Diverse Disruptors wherever you get your podcast. 
If you know somebody who would love to hear these stories, make sure you share this with them as well. Till next time, take care. Diverse Disruptors Season 2 is presented by University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Northwestern Mutual, and Generator, with support from Verizon, United Way's Tequity, and Alverno College, with handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Diverse Disruptors is hosted by Tariq Moody, executive produced by Nate Imig, and audio engineering by Kenny Perez, segment producing by Salam Fatayer, and 88.9's web editor, is Evan Retleski. Radio Milwaukee's marketing team is led by director Sarah Lahr with creative and coordinating support by Aaron Bagada. Community engagement by Maddie Reardon. Dory Zori is 88.9's program director and Kevin Sucker is our executive director. Of course, biggest thanks to our members for making this and all content from Radio Milwaukee possible. If you're interested in learning more about Radio Milwaukee membership, visit radiomilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. And while you're there, check out our other podcasts, including Diverse Disruptors Season 1. That's at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Diverse Disruptors Season 2 is an original podcast production of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee.